Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to thank our supporting partners and that's Seven Mesh and We Are One Composites who both have incredible offers for you. Based in British Columbia and being founded by three of the team from high-end outdoor clothing brand Arcteryx, including their CEO, Seven Mesh was always going to create something pretty special. British Columbia is well known for its extreme terrain and really varied weather, which means Seven Mesh design clothing that can handle whatever you can throw at it. They're on a mission to create truly high-performance clothing for mountain biking, gravel and road, and they've worked super hard to give us new options and better solutions than ever before. The performance of this stuff is next level, and it's built to last in the harshest of conditions and to keep you comfortable for as long as you want to go. I've been riding their gear for a couple of months now and have been a big fan of every part of the range that I've tried. I don't know about you, but it's been super cold here in the UK with temperatures plummeting below freezing. And as a result, there's a combo of seven mesh layers that have been keeping me warm without overheating when the terrain heads uphill. I've been using an Elevate short sleeve jersey next to the skin, which is super light and soft. On top of that, I've used the Griffin long sleeve jersey, which is a Polartec power grid waffle material, which helps lock in some warmth. On top of that, I wear the Chilco Anorak which is made from Seven Mesh's own waffle style material, WTV. It breathes really well, has some wind resistance and does a great job of providing warmth without leading to overheating when you're putting in the effort. This has made for a really comfortable combo despite the conditions. All of that comes in a really nice range of super earthy colours to choose from too. Whether you're wanting to try Seven Mesh for the first time or you're already hooked, they're offering downtime listeners a 20% discount using the code DOWNTIME7MESH20. That's downtime followed by the number 7, then MESH and the number 20, all in capitals with no spaces over at 7mesh.com. Head over now and check them out. And what's even better is that they ship globally. So wherever you are, you can get your hands on some top quality riding gear. We are one, make great wheels. It's really that simple. I've been a huge fan since I started using them over four years ago, and in that time I've had zero issues. I've literally not even needed to show them a spoke key. They're so well built that they've stayed tight and true. I love the balance of stiffness and compliance, which for me creates a ride feel that's accurate, but without any of the negatives that can come from an overly stiff wheel set. Not content with standing still, We Are One recently launched a brand new range of wheels called Convergence. These new rims demonstrate the progress that We Are One have made in design and engineering, with a minimum 30% increase in impact strength and an improved ride fill at the same time. I haven't had the chance to ride them yet, but given my experience with We Are One, I have no doubt that they've done an amazing job and I'm really looking forward to giving them a go. We Are One are a generous bunch and as it's near Christmas, they're offering downtime listeners 15% off anything on their site. That means you can get 15% off their new Convergence rims and wheels or off their already amazing Revolution series of rims that have recently been reduced or you can even get 15% off their insanely stunning bike, The Arrival. You've got until midnight on the 31st of December to make the most of this incredible offer. All you need to do is to use the code DOWNTIME DECEMBER15 at the checkout over on wheel1composites.com. That's DOWNTIME with a capital D, DECEMBER also with a capital D, all one word, followed directly by the number 15 over at weareonecomposites.com. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can hit follow or subscribe in your podcast app now, or there's buttons to help you get it done over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. If you want to help support the show, then we've got a full range of merch over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. It's all really nice quality, it's ethically sourced, and it's delivered to you without any single-use plastics. All the merch sales go directly to helping keep the podcast going. 
All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. And you can get in touch and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at Downtime Podcast. All right, Charlie Hatton is a rider who's shown serious promise for a good few years now, but it hasn't quite all come together for him. 2022 was a breakthrough season for Charlie, where he showed just what he's capable of, taking incredible results even through adversity. We sat down to chat about his career so far and to find out what it's taken for Charlie to put in the results we've seen this year. Hear how he works to tune the bike with a huge amount of options available to him and what it's been like working alongside Andreas Kolb, who's also had a breakthrough this year. Having just signed for another three years with Continental Atherton, there's a bright future ahead for Charlie. So, without further ado, here's Charlie Hatton. Charlie Hatton, welcome to the Downtime Podcast, man. It's been a little while. We've talked about doing this for a while, but it's nice to finally sit down and do it in person. Sat around the Christmas tree here. Yeah, exactly. It's that time of year. Um, But no, thanks for having me. I think, yeah, we've been talking about doing a podcast for years now and yeah, as I say to you off camera, I've never actually done like a full podcast myself. Um, so yeah, here we are. <laughs> Excited to get stuck into it. Well, let's take a diversion straight away. And before we get chatting about bikes, okay, you're a big fan of motor vehicles, right? You're quite into your cars. Cars, yeah. No, I do. Um, yeah, I've had a few little fast cars over the last few years, I guess. No, yeah, I am pretty big into it nice do you it's like track kind of stuff you you go into track days and yeah track days so yeah i've had like clio 200s and at the minute i've got a westfield with an r1 bike engine in it no way which is absolutely ludicrous so brake horse per ton must be pretty wild yeah not far 400 yeah brake horse per ton but yeah it's literally 400 kilo a 440 kilo it's like 165 horsepower and yeah, it's just stupid. <laughs> it's like, it's not the fastest in a straight line, but around the corner is absolutely on rails. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so much fun. Yeah. Are you competitive in that side of thing? Is it more just for fun? Like you ever see yourself racing? No, no, I never, never thought about racing, but yeah, just, just as a weekend hobby really. And yeah. Yeah. Something, something to take my mind off racing and. Yeah, it's just another thing to get stuck into, I guess. Yeah. What about the daily driver? Have you got a fast car kind of away from the track as well? Or? No, no, just the uh, the the Trambagini, as they call it. <laughs> yeah, so the Transit. But yeah, I've been thinking about getting a car, but I'm like, nah, the Transit does the job grand. So Yeah, when you're me. a rider and you're yeah. always carrying bikes whenever you oh, go somewhere, brilliant. then yeah. that's what you need. Eh? I was always the opposite. Like I tried to get by with like a fast hatchback, put my bike in and out, and I was just like, why am I doing this to myself? It's just too hard work. <laughs> yeah, fair comment. So, uh, yeah, the van is definitely the way forward. Yeah. And uh, do you ever do track day stuff with Matt Walker? Because Matt's local and he's into some car-based, motorbike-based yeah, stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's who I'd normally go with, Matt. Um, there's a few other boys around the area. But, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's good fun. Wicked. Do you think it translates at all to riding, like that ability to find speed and to, to work out a track and all that kind of stuff? Like, is there any crossover? Um, no, I don't, I'd never do it as like a training purpose, I guess, just more for fun, but you could definitely, there is elements that are similar, I guess, you're breaking down corners and whatever. And, um, but nah, it's, uh, pretty just much for fun, really. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good, good. Well, let's, let's come back to bikes and we'll start off finding a bit about how you got into that side of things. Yeah. You're the youngest of three boys. Is that right? Yeah. Three, uh, Two older brothers, yeah. 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 
And were they both riding? Like, did that was it them that kind of dragged you into yeah, getting muddy in the woods and riding bikes? Yeah, definitely them too. Uh, my uncle used to ride a lot as well. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, they was uh, the reason I got into biking. Really, I'd be almost the guinea pig. They'd build jumps and send me off it, and then if it nice. worked, they'd try it, and then. <laughs> so yeah, no, nah, it was uh, a good, really good way of getting into it. I think. Yeah. Did that work out, or did you end up getting hurt more times than you uh, succeeded? <sighs> hurt a lot. There is a really funny story actually. Um, we was at the jumps just behind my house. Was luckily I live in the Forest of Dean, um, and yeah, it was just straight out the back door, straight into the back garden. Just woods, endless woods. Um, so anyway, me and my brothers would build build these jumps. And I fell off one day and my brother just, I couldn't get up. I had the biggest dead leg. And my brother wouldn't help me, just wouldn't get up. <laughs> so anyway, we went back home, got my mum. And my mum actually had to carry me home. No <laughs> my dead leg was that bad. <laughs> I think I was about six or seven at the time. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so shout out to Sam for helping me out. Yeah, there. caring brothers there. I like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And you had a pretty sweet bike back then. I saw some pictures of you on like a kid's bike with triple clamp forks on it. Like. I've had all sorts of bikes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anything we could ride, I was on it basically. Yeah. Anything what, with two wheels. <laughs> what was that beast like? Oh, it was Halford special, I yeah. think. <laughs> it looked pretty special. Yeah, yeah. I'm not nice. sure how good the old suspension worked, but nah, she was an absolute <laughs> machine. Yeah, and you had... um like a, a chance meeting with someone around the age of 12 when you're out riding, I think you got a puncture and someone stopped to help you out. And that person's become a sort of fairly influential part of your, your life so far. Is that? Yeah, is that definitely. Um, yeah, it was actually my now girlfriend's dad, Pete little, he helped me out. I had a puncture and I had one pound in my pocket for my bike wash money that my mum gave me. And, uh, <laughs> he fixed my puncture and I said, um, I offered him the pound and he was like, nah. He said, when you're world champion, you can uh, repay me the favour. What <laughs> <laughs> kid. So, That's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. So he sort of took you under his wing a little bit and like helped you out with riding and like a bit like the racing yeah. side in the early days. Is that right? Uh, yeah, we'd often, because obviously um, Pete's son, Jay, he'd ride at the same time. We was both exactly the same age. So yeah, we'd often go off on riding trips and stuff because... Yeah, fair play to my mum. She would take me to like the Forest of Dean, the cycle centre. Yeah. And uh, sit at the bottom all day, just waiting for me to go up and down, oh, which is, bless. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, shout out, to, shout out to her for doing that. Yeah, good commitment. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it was sort of cool. That, um, and obviously my dad as well, traveling bloody all around Europe and driving me up lift weekends every weekend. And yeah, they put a lot into it. So it was quite cool to have um, Pete sort of take, a little bit of that off their hands maybe and we yeah. drive to uplift days together and yeah now nah, it was uh it was brilliant really that's very cool and pete's got a a background in sort of competitive sport right he was world powerboat champion yeah he did um powerboat race i think four-time world champion so yeah he's he's um definitely almost been there and done it um and yeah he's very very motivated and committed so yeah it's yeah. pretty cool to see good to have that like competitive experience yeah, around you i guess yeah, yeah yeah definitely yeah so you grew up in the forest of dean and there's a, a good really good riding scene there yeah it's, good- it's insane yeah it's um the trail bike stuff and that is insane it's just the downhill stuff's like not lacking but it's so short and yeah it is punchy but i think that's sort of where i thought i was missing out a bit of that longer downhill stuff uh-huh. so yeah that's where i 
came up the Shrewsbury area. Made, made the move to Shropshire, yeah. yeah. But that Forrester Dean scene and the kind of mini downhill side of things, like the races that they have there, was, I guess, a big part of you getting into, oh, massively, into yeah. racing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was obviously the first races I ever did. And if that wasn't on my doorstep, who knows what I would be doing. But um, no, nah, it was amazing. Yeah, Chris Roberts, who runs the mini downhill, it was definitely a big part of getting into racing and where I am now, I guess. Yeah. And was there like a natural ability there for you once you started racing or was it something you had to work at? Um, yeah, definitely had to work at it. But um, no, I think the first few races I did, it was, I can't even remember now, probably top three. So I was absolutely okay. stoked with that. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd always try and keep keep on the podium. And then I think when I started getting into like the youth junior category i was trying to aim for like the fast time of the day so yeah it was a it was a good progression definitely yeah and how did you go about picking up support back in those days did people come to you did you did you kind of put yourself out there and try and get some help um yeah i think one of my first proper sponsor was actually fly up downhill okay um and they did the uplifts down yeah, there right? so yeah they did the uplifts so that was uh a big help i guess like i was obviously pushing up all the time and then I was like, this would be a cool opportunity. So yeah, we started with started out as my first real sponsor and yeah, then um got free week free uplifts at the weekend, which was brilliant. <laughs> that is, that's a good deal. As a, as yeah, a young lad, that's deal. like spot yeah, on, right? It was, it was absolutely ideal, yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was amazing. Yeah. And then you went on from there. Did Dirt magazine kind of got involved at some yeah. point? So that was I think it was um sort of through fly up actually. Um yeah, Steve Jones from Dirt Magazine, he sort of got involved and I started, they supported me with bikes and a few other bits and bobs kit. Um, so yeah, I remember doing my first photo shoot in like an abandoned barn and I was like, <laughs> this is all new to me. It's pretty crazy, but. Yeah, how old would you have been then when you were doing stuff for Dirt? Uh, I must have been 14, 13, okay. 14. I was like juvenile, so it was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah maybe last year juvenile youth sort of. Category yeah. so 14, 15, That's something like that. That's a big deal as a young kid, right? Yeah, it was Dirt sick, magazine yeah. was such a huge thing, yeah. certainly in the UK at that yeah. point in time. I'm guessing you were like subscribed yeah, yeah, and like yeah, reading every yeah, copy yeah. back to back, right? <laughs> yeah, must exactly. Have, must have been pretty mad. No, it was sick, yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. Nice. And from there to, was it Wide Open Mag? Because they put together a team, which I guess was a big part of growing a lot of like young British racing talent for a good yeah. few years. Yeah. So, yeah, Wide Open Mag after that, which was. Yeah, such a good stepping stone and well obviously Jamie and the boys there did a yeah, great job of pushing the riders, not just riding wise, social media wise and yeah, it was a really good stepping stone for sure. Yeah. And that it was that kind of team that enabled you to get to World Cups. Was it your first Yeah. First full World Cup season was was it twenty fifteen, I think? Yeah, I did the European ones. Yeah. Um which yeah, all was whilst I was on wide open. So now it was it was definitely an eye opener going to the World Cups. Well, it wasn't. I was a privateer, but I was getting a lot of UK support as well. So it was like, um, yeah, it was me, my brother, and my dad in the builders' van nice. to all the World Cups. Which was uh, <laughs> at the time I was so embarrassed turning up next to all the big lorries. Um, but looking back now, it's, it's so cool, I think. <laughs> yeah, at that age, you're so self-conscious, I guess, oh, of yeah. things like that. that yeah. You don't realise quite 
how awesome it is that your no, family no. are putting themselves out and yeah like, exactly if i seen that from like a young kid now i'd be like that is sick yeah <laughs> yeah it's probably <laughs> but cool. at the time i was like so embarrassed driving past all the top boys <laughs> and i was just like oh Ah, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> How was it then? Turning up because I think Lords was your first World Cup, yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah, Lords, yeah. So yeah, we drove down and it was definitely an eye opener. Like obviously from a UK scene to having I don't know sixty juniors that are all the fastest around the world. It was yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah, and who were you up against? What who else was in that sort of couple of years of juniors? What are the names now that have found their way into the top elite ranks? Um. Who was I racing back then? There was there was a lot of riders. Um, it was actually when I was a second year junior. I was probably when it was most competitive because we okay. had like Finals, Matt Walker, yeah, and they were like almost dominating from the first year. Um, but yeah, who was I can't remember the names to be honest. A strong, a strong. Group yeah, there though, was yeah. a lot, a lot of good riders. Yeah, yeah, like Elliot Heap. He yeah. was often. Up the gate on Vige. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other names, but yeah. not in my head at the minute. <laughs> That's fair. And looking back on it, like now, how do, how do you feel about that that two-year junior stint? Because the results were were kind of mixed. You weren't up yeah. there necessarily no, no. battling with like no, Matt and Finn, where, whereas you are, you know, getting there now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, yeah, how do you feel your junior career went? Yeah, I think people have this stigma of you've got to be winning juniors and you've got to do really well in juniors for you to get an opportunity. For sure. Um, which it does, it can help a lot, but like, I think my best result is a junior was sixth place. Um, so yeah, I guess it just goes to show you don't need to be winning junior ranks to get, not picked up, but to get support for the following year. And yeah, you go into elite, it still doesn't mean you can not do really well. So, yeah, I think it's it's good to know that. Yeah, definitely. Do you were you one of these juniors that kind of maybe overrode a little bit, like did a lot of crashing, or was it just trying to work out like how World Cups worked and what was right for you? Yeah, I think not so much crashing, just it's just such a big learning experience and yeah, it is it is hard just um going there just with not a lot of knowledge about bike setup, nothing like that. You're riding these absolutely mental World Cup <laughs> tracks. You're riding on something you don't even really know much about setup and stuff. And yeah, I think it's a good thing because obviously now I've grown into that and I can do a lot more setup, which is, I guess I've had a lot more to like, um, a lot more stuff I can improve on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, true. Whereas I guess. if you're going into junior, you've got the, perfect bike setup and yeah it's that's when i guess you should be winning that sort of category but no nah, it's good yeah i was going to say some juniors do have that full factory support yeah. like they have got yeah. as close to perfect as possible bike setup yeah whereas you like you say you're there in in your dad's van kind of thing yeah like we've got a hammer in out. the back and yeah <laughs> hammer and some duct tape yeah literally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few zip ties if anything goes wrong so but now nah, i think that's really it's definitely a learning curve and it definitely um, teaches you some things for sure. Yeah, yeah fair point. And you, your first elite year was 2017. Yeah. Um, and that's a leap that a lot of riders struggle with, kind of coming from junior into elite. Like they feel the pressure. Yeah, they definitely. Of, they often override. Yeah. You moved into the Intense UK program yeah. that yeah. year, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and started getting top 20 results in elite 
pretty much straight away. Yeah. Why? Yeah, it was pretty why crazy. Do you think that was. I have no idea. To be honest, I think. Um, yeah, there's no one reason I don't think of why that happened, but it's just multiple things added up. And obviously, I had Joe Breeden on the team at the same time, which is now one of my best friends. Um, we had Lundy as well on the team, so it would just be me, Lundy, and Breeden at all the races. And I think it was a great team atmos- atmosphere, uh-huh. which helps massively, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think the bike was good. And yeah, I think coming in, I had no pressure because from a junior, I wasn't, I was getting good results, but not brilliant. And uh-huh. then, um, yeah, so I guess I didn't really feel any pressure. And I think I qualified at the first World Cup 27th, which I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> And I was like, my goal really was just to get in, qualify, I suppose, at the first ever Elite World Cup. Yeah. And I think I finished 17th or something. It's a pretty good start, huh? So yeah, I was, and then, yeah, it was a bit of a snowball effect after that. Yeah. Well, and you took 11th at Val de Sol that year. Yeah. Which was your best result at that point. Yeah. Talk us through that that kind of weekend, I guess, because it's not a straightforward place to get up to speed. No, definitely not. I think I think that was actually where my best result was a junior as well. Um, so I absolutely love that track. It's so gnarly, proper downhill. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is fast, but it's almost like the speed is taken away a little bit because of how gnarly it is. Uh-huh. Um, I think that definitely suits my riding style. A bit slower, more technical. Yeah, proper brutal. Yeah, you're very yeah. light on the bike. I would say as well. Like you seem to be able to yeah float try to down try tracks. To be, yeah which helps on a trail like that, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Lots if you're out of sync or out of rhythm at Val de Sol, you, you really know about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that, I'm guessing that started to turn some heads, right? Did that get you some some attention from yeah. teams, from other, other people within the industry? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had quite a few offers that year, which was, yeah, it was insane, really. Like going into the year, I had no expectations. And then coming out of the year with probably five or six offers on the table, it was like right okay <laughs> what do i do now yeah that's amazing and you ended up joining trek factory racing which at the yeah. time was the athens yeah. team um and i think that was initially off the back of an email from steve jones at dirt to dan brown their team manager. yeah that so right? a bit of a funny story there so obviously when i was on dirt as a juvenile or youth or whatever um i think steve sent a few emails around to the world cup team saying look charlie's been doing well on the uk scene and he's moving to junior for the world cup stuff is there any like space on any teams and uh we got a reply from dan brown and it said uh sorry we're all taken up at the minute but um yeah we'll keep an eye out anyway it was like two three years later he actually replied to that same email <laughs> saying we've got a, we've got a spot basically Wicked. <laughs> so yeah that was that was pretty cool yeah was that was it an obvious choice for you out of those four or five offers that are on the table um yeah it was definitely the one i was drawn to the most yeah obviously athens being a legendary i guess yeah. so did you know them at, like at that point other than sort of seeing them around no i i spoke briefly with like g and an uplift and stuff like that but no not a massive amount really yeah so kind of intimidating joining a team like that because it's i mean it's a tight-knit bunch it's a family yeah. team really even though yeah, it was yeah, Trek yeah. factory racing like how did you feel entering that group yeah, it was definitely nerve wracking and um, yeah, it was definitely scary, but yeah, no, I definitely think I made the right decision. So yeah, no, I'm stoked. Wicked. Yeah, it's panned out pretty well, but yeah, that, definitely. that 2018 season 
Like, how was that? That must have been quite tricky because you're in the spotlight a bit more. Yeah, you're on a team that has sure. a huge amount of media attention. Yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big eye opener. Like, obviously, as I said before, we turn up at a World Cup in my dad's builder's van, and which was brilliant. But then you turn up to a race with my first race in 2018 at Trek Factory Racing. It was this massive <laughs> Arctic lorry, and I was just like what is going on here? I didn't know what to do, where to look. And I was just like, oh my God, this is insane. So I think I got a bit overwhelmed at the start and I was like, right, I've got almost, well, not perform, but I felt a bit of pressure from that side because I thought, look at what they're doing to like, for me to ride my bike. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, right, I need to, I need to go here. <laughs> yeah. Got to push on. Yeah. Which um, was good and a bad thing. I think the first year was definitely a big learning curve. Um I did have some okay results that year, but then Lear Gang broke my scaphoid. Uh -huh. And then it was a bit of a downhill snowball from that point, really. Just a bit of a battle. Yeah. And then three weeks later as well, I saw I rode that on a broken scaphoid, which was horrific. And I qualified okay. And then raced when I crashed, and I was just like, oh my God, what am I, when am I going to stop crashing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, broken scaphoid at Val de Sol. Yeah, that doesn't not sound good. enjoyable. No. Nah. No, definitely not. Fair play, man. It was rough. And were you were you on a one year contract at that point with Trek just for twenty eighteen? Um, no, I think it was a two. Okay, yeah. But the Trek thing, so the Trek thing didn't carry over to nineteen, did it? In the no, end, no. So it was like I, I think I pretty much signed to Afton Racing, right? Okay, uh, for the two yeah, years, yeah, and then yeah. obviously the bike brand changed, and then yeah, that was when I went to Afton Bikes, which was. Yeah, it was mad, really. When did you find out about that? Because they kept it a pretty tight secret yeah, for a good while. Yeah, it was very, very tight. I was like asking Brownie, like, what bike are you riding next year? Yeah, because everyone was like, was you'll find out soon, you'll find yeah. out soon. And I was hearing all these rumours of oh, all sorts. <laughs> I think, what was one of them? Um, it was like Halford's brand. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, there was that rumour kicking about. I was like, oh, God. And then anyway, I went to the HQ and Brownie gave me my race jersey. I was like looking for the bike brand on there and it was just, there was no bike brand on there. I was like, so who's the bike brand? And it was like, he just pointed to the Athton logo and I was like, what? And he took me <laughs> in the workshop and there it was. The first prototype Athton bike, which is, yeah, it was insane. That's mad. And it was pretty, it was quite late that that came, all kind of came into place, right? It wasn't a lot of time before the start of the season. Um, yeah, I think there was quite a lot of works obviously going on behind the scenes. Um, but yeah. No, there was there was enough time for sure. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it was it was crazy that they took the plunge really and started their own bike brand. So yeah, it's amazing. What yeah, was mad. it? What was it like getting up to speed on that bike then? Um, yeah, it was insane. Obviously, a first ever prototype. There was things to change and do, but obviously, working with the Athens and G, it's so much experience and knowledge. So yeah, that soon tweaked and. Yeah, made it to the bike it is now, which is, yeah, proper, so. Yeah, and I heard you'd been, like, the earlier part of your career, I think you alluded to it a bit, you were a bit of a kind of run-what-you-brung oh, rider, is that fair? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I used to tire pressures, fork pressure, and know what spring I was on, and that was about your lot, really. I was never, like, in tune with the bike, thinking, oh, how can I change a mill here and there, and. No, it was literally run my bro. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've gone from that end of the spectrum where with the Atherton bike, like everything is customizable basically. Oh, yeah. Like 
every oh, tube length, insane, every yeah. layer, yeah. every lug, all the geometry, the yeah. kinematic, everything. Yeah. Like it must have been a hell of a learning curve for you over the last, what, th- we are sort of three years now. Yeah. Yeah. Massive, massive learning experience. And I think it's definitely developed me as a rider because I sort of know what works for me and I know what doesn't. So, say so if I was to go to try another bike or something like that i'd literally say right that's exactly what i like and uh-huh. that's exactly what i think works so yeah it's been really really valuable is like a rider's development and stuff like that so, yeah yeah it's been really good that's cool man what sort of what sort of stuff have you been playing about with on the bike because I, th- I think i am right in understanding that you're like everyone's bikes on the team are a bit different you're not like yeah definitely yeah. forced into running a certain frame no, or no, whatever can... that works for g it's everyone's got their own yeah perfect yeah it's absolutely so. insane so you can change whatever whatever you'd like to be honest um <laughs> yeah obviously the first obvious things is just size in rear end length things like that mm-hmm. and then you can get into really like fine details of lug thickness like obviously okay. changes the flexibility the tube thickness um yes yeah, it's, it's endless it's pretty insane what you can what you can change really and almost yeah. you can go down a bit of a rabbit hole but yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, how do you work your way through that then? Because like you say, it's very easy to get a bit yeah. lost in it all. And there's yeah. so many different things you can change. Like yeah. for most riders, the frame is kind of the frame. Yeah. Maybe they can tweak a link here and there. Yeah. And then they can change shock tune and suspension setup. Yeah. But they've, and even that for a lot of people is isn't, isn't enough, enough or yeah, even yeah. too much. Yeah, right? yeah. Certainly for, for most normal riders, I yeah. would say like I, I struggle with that how do you how do you go about setting up a bike where literally everything can be changed to your perfect to your setting yeah yeah i think as you said you can get lost um i guess you only really know what you want to change with riding it okay like say i'm feeling a certain thing and that's why i think speak to the engineers at aston bikes and just say look is there any way you can change this slightly and they'll say yeah easy <laughs> <laughs> and they just print it in the machine in the and then yeah within a few days you've got it yeah it's pretty insane there's quite a cool story actually where was it i think um from val de sol to lenzerheide it was like a back-to-back race weekend yeah i was like i really wanted a shorter rear end and from finishing my race run in val de sol to lenzerheide i already had like a brand new frame no way yeah it was printed Ah. in the week brownie flown over with with this new frame but it was basically because it's all bonded together yeah so we had it in like heated blankets in the van and stuff oh, to like help this. cure the yeah, bonding yeah, yeah. so it was all cured and then yeah that weekend i rode lens hide that's pretty <laughs> on impressive this brand new frame yeah it's the closest we get i guess to like formula one response oh, where yeah, they're like helicoptering like the to the track yeah literally yeah yeah pretty insane that's mad that yeah. is mad so what um with all these options that you've had available to you like are there is there anything that's kind of surprised you? Any like elements of the bike that you were like, oh, I never really thought changing that would make things better or like anything that stood out from all the testing that you've done? Um, yeah, there's obviously, we've done a lot with flexibility, like rear end flex. So yeah. we changed the, the thickness of the lugs uh-huh. on the on the chainstay and um, bracing as well on chainstay and yeah, then also yeah. tube thickness. Uh, so we played a lot around with that and it's very hard to know you almost need three rear ends for like different tracks right 
Um, so we had learned one with like without a brace, which is obviously awesome for like off camber, tighter corners. But then when yeah. it starts to get fast, it's like, yeah, you want that support there because you don't want the rear wheel just flexing everywhere. So yeah, we did actually come to a point where we had three rear ends and we could basically change and swip and swap whenever we wanted to, which Sweet. is pretty sick. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. I was going to ask, you think like people have talked about this like off in the future where you know we have a different bike for each track that's like perfect mm. for, for each track mm. it's so much for the rider to deal with yeah to be able to ride a different bike every yeah. week like, do you think we'll ever get there or do you think something maybe in that middle ground like you say where you've got bits that you're familiar with that yeah. you can change in and out yeah definitely um and again you can go too far i think it's there's getting the, all that off-season testing done and out of the way and then sticking to something very similar throughout the year. Mm -hmm. That's what I find the most beneficial. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think if you're confident on what you're riding, I think that's when you go fastest, really. Yeah. But obviously, you do that testing in the winter. So I try not try and avoid doing anything at a race because I feel like, well, hang on a minute, I've done that in the winter. I know what works. So you just got to be almost confident with your setup and yeah yeah just go flat out on that and you're not worrying about like changing your bike you've got six runs at a world cup practice day really if you do more you're smoked if you do less you don't learn the track yeah so if you're thinking about your bike setup on those six runs you're not really learning the track and stuff so well that's my view that's that's so i try and really value yeah. each run as learning the track getting up to speed yeah and then obviously if there is something that really crops up in your head, you can change it because well, you know what works and what doesn't. So Yeah. So you're you're kind of coming out of the winter, I guess, with like an options book in your head of yeah. right, if I need this, this is what I change. Yeah, if I need exactly, this, this yeah. is what I change. Yeah. You're not trying to learn that at the races. No. How how do you you turn up at a race, let's say it's a new venue or, yeah. or a track that's changed substantially. Yeah. How do you or, yeah, how do you decide what you pick up from your little like yeah the book of options book. like do you do that on your on track walk do you experiment yeah. a bit on the first day like how quick yeah do you... i guess just experiment on the first day after you've rode it obviously okay. from track walk you can sort of guess what's going to work but yeah mostly after you've ridden yeah like um normally tire choice i can choose from track walk okay well at least to go into the first day and then yeah maybe it won't work but yeah, normally that's something you can guess quite easily, but then suspension set up and stuff like that is after you've ridden, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, okay, interesting. And obviously, like, to be ready for the season like that is a huge amount of testing in the off-season. Yeah, definitely. Which has to fit in amongst everything else and yeah. training. Like, is there a difference between riding for testing and riding to be fast or get faster? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think that's something I've learned over the last few years is – Whenever I'm a downhill bike, I always try and have a an aim or a goal of the day. Okay. I think, and if I don't, it almost seems not pointless, but I'm not really getting much out of the day. Yeah. So like the days that I think, right, I'm going there, I've not really got anything to test. I say, right, today I'm having fun. I don't care about going fast. I'm just yeah. going to have fun riding my downhill bike. And then I think on the other days, it's really important to set out a goal of what you want to do. Mm -hmm. what you want to try what you want to test i think that's where some people get a bit lost of just riding the downhill bike all the time all the time all the time 
you don't really learn much from doing that, I don't think. Uh -huh. It's obviously good to have bike time, but yeah, I think trying to have a set goal of the day is, is really good. Yeah. Is it hard to get the balance right between all the things you need to achieve, between like working on going fast, working on getting the bike right, working mm. on yourself physically, mentally, yeah. whatever happens to be? Yeah, it is a lot. It's a lot like it's a very fine balance between like you could train as much as you want, but unless you're fast on a downhill bike, that's where it really counts, isn't it? And I think yeah. that's also something over the past like year, especially I've learned is the training side is massive, but also going fast on your bike is what counts the most. So I almost tried to prioritize that more than training. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, yeah. Yeah, I think was a good help for the season just gone. Yeah. And is that going fast, like based on a feeling or are you, are you actively going out with timing equipment to like yeah. demonstrate to yourself that you're yeah. going fast? Yeah, I guess so. And yeah, I think setting those clear goals before you go riding is something that's really helpful as well. Like um, say today I'm going to go timing. I'll go timing. We'd often do sessions in the winter, like with me, Breeden, Laurie Greenland, a few mm -hmm. others. And we'd literally say like, right, let's have a little race. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that was just those little races. I think we did one at Bike Park Wales at the start. Um, we did one at Dovey, one at Langollen. Come over if we did another one. But yeah, it was like a group of four or five of us all like just putting heaters down all day. And it was, yeah, yeah it's really good. That is cool. Well, and you're up against some of the best riders in the yeah, world. Exactly. It's pretty handy having yeah, them yeah, on yeah, tap, definitely. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's also another good thing about like the Shropshire area. There's so many fast riders. Like I ride with Matt Walker a lot, Joe Breeden a lot. And so, yeah, you've got some really, yeah. really handy riders. Keeps you sharp. To ride with, yeah. Definitely. Well, 2019 then, first year on the Atherton bike, you got another 11th for Val yep. de Sol, yep. proving that it's a track that, that suits you and yep. that you're getting on with the bike. But then 2020, which was an odd season for everyone, I think, yeah. with all the COVID rubbish. Yeah. And 2021, you had some top 20 results, but it didn't kind of seem to be like fully clicking for you. Does that, how do you feel about no, those definitely seasons? definitely not. I think, yeah, 21 was... Obviously, everyone mentions this snowball effect, and I think that year for me was almost opposite. Okay, I had a couple of crashes, and I just could not get that out of my system. And it was all like a mental battle, really. Like I know I was riding well, and the riding was was good, but yeah, it was just that race run putting it all together, and yeah, I really struggled to yeah just get the crashing out of my head, really. Yeah. Um, and it gets worse, I guess. It's that vicious yeah, spiral. Yeah, it's every literally week, a vicious circle, yeah. yeah. You're creating more pressure on yourself. Yeah, I was like, right, I can't crash this week. And I was like, <laughs> why are you thinking this at the top of a World Cup? This is not a good thing. Your head's in the wrong space, really. And yeah, yeah. That only, I could only really get out of that with just chipping away. Like little bits of confidence here and there. And yeah, it just takes time. There's yeah. nothing you can do. There's no switch you can just press and it changes. It just takes time. And did, did you have any help on that side of things? Like, have you worked much with a sports psychologist or anything to help like deal with that mindset side of things? Yeah, or? I, I did try actually. Yeah. Like sports psychologist, but for me, I didn't really think it helped, it benefited okay. me, um, yeah. which I'm sure other people work differently. So I'm sure it would work for other people, but yeah, I thought it was just figuring out in my own head seemed to be the best way. Um, to get over that sort of crashing and the mental side of it really. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, coming into 2022, 
there's a lot of things for you that were consistent. So you're working again with Alan Milway yeah. coming into the season as your coach. Yeah. You're still riding for Continental Atherton, obviously. Mm. But there are a few big changes too coming into 22. Continental launched a complete new range of tyres. Yeah. G and Rachel weren't racing the World yeah, Cup yeah. season through injury and becoming a parent. Mm. Like big, big shifts really, big changes yeah. within the team. How did you feel coming into 2022? And do you think either of those things made like a significant impact on, on the year? Um, I think obviously tyres are a massive, massive point and that was definitely a big help. I think the tyres that we used to run on Contis, I don't, I'm sure they wouldn't even mind me saying this, were not the best. Okay. Yeah. But, Obviously, that's why we worked over the last two years developing the new ones, and yeah, yeah, now they're yeah insane. So, were you pretty pretty heavily involved in that? Development yeah, yeah, process? yeah. So, the amount of days we did at Duffy was obscene, and <laughs> the amount of spreadsheets we was filling out, and yeah, it was like it felt like I was almost back at school. It was um, I can't remember the last time I had a pen and paper in my hand. So, <laughs> yeah, and we had these mad spreadsheets, all different um, questions and different forms to fill out, and. Yeah, it was it was a lot of work and, and yeah. time went into making those new tires and but it definitely definitely paid off. Yeah. Did you know that 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 was coming and they were going to be really good then? Had you you'd felt that through the testing? Yeah, because we do like normally three days on the bounce and they'd have different tires every time yeah. they come to do like these three days. And obviously each time they were coming with these new tires, they were getting better, better, better and better. And I was like, All right, okay, this this is good. And then we got like the the last batch, I guess. And I was like, yeah, this is, they're proper. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it was definitely well worth the time and effort invested into yeah. getting them good. And obviously the engineers at Continental did a brilliant job of taking that information off the spreadsheet and putting it into real life, I guess, yeah, which can't be easy. Because um, so hard to describe the perfect tire, isn't it? Because well, obviously yeah. you describe it for one track perfect, but. For something else, it's not going to be right. So to get something this like a good all rounder is yeah, 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 is really tough. So. Well, and so many things to play with, right? Like yeah, you got your compound, the carcass construction, yeah. oh, it's the endless. tread pattern, like yeah, yeah it is so absolutely endless. On. So I think that's the good thing about the the new range as well is there's actually five new tires, so you can mix and match and different compounds, and you can pretty much get it whatever you want, really. Yeah. Nice. So the good, yeah, good step forwards there. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then, yeah, was it different not having G and Rach actually racing? Like maybe a bit less media attention, like a quieter. Yeah, it was space slightly quieter. And then, um, but yeah, I never, never used to mind really that. And yeah, it didn't feel like massively different, I guess, because um, they were still. G would often come to races, and then Rachel came to a few as well. So yes, yeah, they were still there, but just not racing, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it was it was a change that wasn't really of didn't really affect, I guess. Okay. And you've got like obviously Dovey Bike Park is now a very well established venue, yeah, which just conveniently happens to be owned by the Athens, yeah, um, and I guess is available to you guys yeah. to to use as you wish. And it, I think it was really starting to fire coming into the twenty twenty two season, like a lot yeah, of the UK definitely. scene were there getting up to yeah. speed. Like, what is it about that place that you think? is relevant to world cups because it seemed to be like yeah a lot of the world cup riders were going there specifically yeah. to get ready um yeah i'm not sure if it's similar to a world cup really it is 
it is just to go fast there is pretty tough. It's very slippy, it's rocky, it's rooty. So I think if you can ride there fast, you can pretty much ride anywhere fast, I think. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's not an easy place to ride flat out. Um so nah, it's it's a brilliant testing ground and it's normally pretty ming in there, pretty bogging. So obviously the tracks run well in all conditions, but yeah, it's um if you can ride fast there, you're you're pretty set, I think. Yeah, good place to go and challenge yourself. Yeah, definitely. And pretty long, right? There's not like racetrack compared yeah. to a lot of tracks in the UK is quite long. Yeah, it's proper long. It's it's probably four minutes long. Yeah. I think it's almost as a testing track, doing full laps top to bottom, it's almost too long. Okay. Um to, because you're getting fatigued or you're not. Yeah, able- fatigued and I think it's good to put one or two fast runs on a track like that but if you're trying to go back to back timing sessions you're doing that all day you're just gonna have a crash yeah yeah fair do you have preferred places to test then or preferred tracks to test on yeah so like if i was testing it dovey it would probably be on the the shorter side of the hill Mm -hmm. like getting dropped off halfway yeah yeah um the track's normally two one one forty ish something like that to two minutes which I find you can really ride intense for them two minutes and it just gets a bit less dangerous really because yeah. if you're riding four minutes flat out run after run it's just it's going to end in a huge <laughs> <laughs> and when you're testing how much of that like feedback and decision making is based on timing and how much is based on feel um I think the more information you can have the better I guess really like if you've got a feeling you've got a time and you've got a few other bits and bobs it's like the more information i think the more accurate it can all be i guess so yeah if something feels good but it's slower on the time obviously you need to try something else (laughs) because at the end of the day the time is the most important really yeah Yeah, the clock is is what you're racing at the end of the day and obviously you've got a ride to set up that's comfortable as well you can't ride some absolutely mental setup that was half a second quicker on the clock um yeah you've definitely got to get the balance right yeah fair so coming into 2022 then how did how did you feel like had you got over this roller coaster of you know, like crashing and yeah like that downward spiral side of things like how did you work your way out of that i think the end of 2021 it was the double header at snowshoe oh, yeah. i think i had a 20th and a 15th so that was like a good right okay we're back on it yeah and then going into the off season i guess it's always a fresh reset and then coming into the year, we did all them timing days and times were looking pretty good. Um, and then, yeah, the first race was Lords and I thought, right, I'm riding the wheels off it. I come to the bottom and I was like, I think I ended up 23rd, 24th, something like that. Uh-huh. I was just like, what is going on? I thought I had a hell of a run. But like looking back now, I know like I just didn't quite have the bike set up correctly. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, what, what do you think was missing from the setup? I think it's also something I've learned as well. I did exactly the same in Leger. Like we always say we'll go a little bit harder for race run, but I just never anticipate that race pace. And um, it's often hard because you're riding like a, a wet track. So the speed's not as high and then it dries out for racing and it's like the speed has increased massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I guess that only comes with experience is like predicting Okay. what the track's going to be like. Yeah, yeah. Knowing um, how many more clicks of... Yeah, exactly. Like compression a you want to stick on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pressure and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I just got that wrong, really. Okay. Um, Interesting. So the bike, it felt like you were going fast, but the bike yeah, just wasn't obviously able to me support that. Yeah, obviously me as well. Like, 
just probably not riding on that rag, ragged edge enough. Okay. I always try and ride really smooth and stuff, but sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. And a track like Lord, I guess it you needed to just be absolutely on the limit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think them two things combined just put me back a little bit. And it's okay. like the times are super close. Like another second, I probably would have been right up there. But yeah, I guess it's just one of them. And then I guess after that, we went to Fort William, which was, yeah, a bit more familiar, I guess. And yeah. it was wet, wild. We'd just done the BDS there and a few other bits. And yeah, that was somewhere I really enjoyed I love it, Fort William. Yeah, you did uh, pretty handy in your qualifying run, second place behind Laurie. Yeah, that, yeah. Is that your, that's your best ever quali. Yeah, yeah, best ever quali. Um, yeah, that was crazy. I think I came across the line. I think Tebow had just—he was in the, like the fastest at the minute. I think I came down. I was like six, six and a half seconds up, and I was just like, oh, "On Tebow Christ. de Prella. Yeah, I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> Here we and go. I kept here. I just normally straight away after qualifying i never wait okay i just ride straight back to the pits spin down because i think that's obviously not the important part of the weekend really uh-huh. and i think like the recovery side is more important than sitting there seeing how i've yeah, done fair comment. so i was like right straight back to the pits spin my legs off and everyone's coming over well done charlie and i was like i didn't know at the time <laughs> and because we was pitted well we was pitted fairly close i could hear like people coming in he's gone third he's gone fourth and i was like i didn't i thought i was pushed back a bit then everyone came in the pits from the team they was like like all cheering way like going mad and i was like where was i and they was like second i was like oh shit <laughs> yeah because at that point right the pressure is on yeah Yeah, i was just like oh my god this is insane like home crowd <laughs> second place so i was yeah a bit overwhelmed but must have felt good though eh? like, no nah, it was insane you, yeah you you know that that performance is there right yeah it's definitely. been brewing for years and right? it's it's one of them things that if i'd have like looking back at the run i was like i didn't do anything different okay it was just clicked in that moment and yeah. i remember millway was actually in the woods stood there and we was like focusing a lot on that new wood section because it was the only part that actually was different yeah, yeah. to uh, the whole rest of the track so we were standing in the woods a lot and Millway was still in the woods and I rode through there like an absolute squid. This is in the qualifying <laughs> In the quality, yeah. Yeah, in the quality. And Millway was like, he sent a video into the, we have like a, a group chat on WhatsApp with yeah. like, um, yeah, so he sends it in and we have a look when we're at the bottom, like a, a lines chat basically. He was like, what what did you do through the woods? <laughs> <laughs> he sent this video, my feet are off, I'm all over the shop. And I was like, Oh, I qualified second meal and he's like no way <laughs> <laughs> really that's so yeah that was pretty sick yeah. yeah and then you had did you have a big crash in the morning practice yeah f- I think it was first or second run first, no, it was first run literally I got come through the deer gate and it was like a tight flat left and I was planning on stopping my brain had switched off before I was even hit the corner because right. I was like right I'm stopping it out of a rest and literally just took the front end and it's like that horrible gravel and I just slid across the floor right on my hands and I was just oh, like, man. no, no, Charlie, not now. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just smashed like right into the palm of my thumb. And it, was, it went absolutely huge. And yeah, I had a lot of paracetamol and painkillers, but, you know, strapped it up. But it still wasn't 100%. And I rode on it. It wasn't great. But I think, yeah, it was just more the pressure, I think, of, second place quali 
not fluffing it in your race room really yeah so i was pretty a... i was pretty glad i came i think i finished 15th in the end yeah you did yeah which i was still still happy with but yeah. like after that quality i was like i could get on the podium yeah which was i think that was the turning point in my head of like well you can do it basically and yeah i think i obviously started to believe in myself more after that race because obviously it's very you can obviously i believe in myself before that but until that result is on the sheet it's like yeah that's sort of the switch of saying right i can actually do it <laughs> yeah so even though you on the day you weren't able to convert through yeah. injury or nerves or whatever it yeah. was enough to give yeah. you that headspace to yeah, say yeah definitely right I belong at the top of the sheet yeah, here, yeah, like, yeah let's have a go yeah exactly yeah which it's, is a yeah cool thing it is a cool thing so you yeah. rolled that into to Leah Gang yeah and uh, challenging conditions once again never an yeah, easy it was place absolutely but brutal I'm guessing maybe suits you like you're used to riding yeah. steep slop no, tricky trails it. yeah it was so hard like every practice run up well, I think the first practice run I came down, it was still really wet and it was like, it was almost better. Yeah, you just yeah. cut through the slop. So I just put some spikes on and it was just, oh, I was insane. I just fly like flat out through the woods because the ruts weren't really developed. It was like, you could pretty much go where you wanted. Nice. And it was insane. And then as the day went on, it just got thicker and thicker mud and it just got harder and harder. Um, but yeah, that was a really tough weekend actually. I was from yeah qualified morning i was so sick oh, just like i don't know if there's a bug or put food poisoning or what but yeah literally i think i used don't this is pretty disgusting but <laughs> honestly i absolutely rinsed the whole house full of toilet rolls yeah then i was onto the kitchen rolls oh man and I was just smashing packs of kitchen rolls just as oh, toilet paper. <laughs> That's not <laughs> so good. rough, proper rough. That's like, bad. Yeah, I was just spewing, couldn't eat anything. But that kills your energy, right? You I had nothing. Eat. Yeah. And like, it was pretty ming. And I finished qualifying. My helmet was full of sick. Oh, dude. From midway down. Yeah. And Lloydie, fair play, he was jet washing my helmet. <laughs> I had sick all over my bars after. It was, yeah, it was oh. ming. Where did you qualify at that one? I think I qualified eighth yeah mad yeah it was insane and then race day I was like I don't think I'm going to be able to race and then I was warming up literally just normally I do a full on warm up I was like I literally just can't do it I don't have the energy yeah so I was literally just on the turbo turning my legs and I got in the start gate as soon as I dropped in I was like I've got nothing to lose now I might as well just go for it yeah I rode pretty well and yeah it's my best result today eight so (laughs) that's insane (laughs) yeah eh? that was a crazy week really but again in, in another in a weird way like another confidence boost yeah, right? massive, you know yeah. that like i'm literally being sick in my qualifying run yeah and i'm still putting down yeah, eighth yeah. quality and eighth in finals like yeah i think it definitely helped that the conditions suited me but yeah it was in, it was mad yeah and then lens hide a track very different but yeah a bit less bike parky this year and some yeah new that sections. definitely helped yeah, yeah it was um yeah i'd always it's a weird one, Lens Hyde. Like, I don't think anyone, I don't know, it doesn't really suit anyone's riding style. It's really weird. It's like a bike park, but it's so hard to get the flow. Yeah. Like, it's really awkward, really tight corners. Um, so even though it is a bike park, anyone could ride down it. To ride it fast is really, really technical, really challenging. Yeah. Which is almost, I guess that does suit 
sort of my riding. Um, so yeah, yeah, the track they put on this year was really good. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, it was cool. The new that new off camera section, which yeah we didn't see any of on television, unfortunately, no, it was no, pretty it's, cool. Eh? Yeah, that was sick. Yeah. yeah, that was the best part of the track. Really, it was all natural and so many different lines developed. And yeah, yeah, I think I changed my line like three or four times through there. I didn't. Yeah, it was a really tough section, but that nah, was mega. Yeah, and then to come home with a seventh place from there, like the yeah. ball, the ball's rolling pretty nicely. Yeah, that was where the snowball went the other way for me. Then it was, it was, um, yeah, on the the good spiral that way. Yeah, <laughs> compared to the previous year, it was almost backwards. So it's yes, yeah, it's, it's a crazy, crazy sport. Yeah. So the beliefs getting pretty strong, I'm guessing, at this point in the season. Yeah, definitely, right? and obviously with Andy doing so well as well, it was like the whole team atmosphere was just insane yeah yeah what's it what's it like having andy as a teammate you've been together is it two years on the yeah, team together two yeah. years yeah 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 sick yeah it's it's really good having him and i think we're both pretty similar with um the way we ride and stuff so it was uh yeah really good to have him and we're always comparing lines and that is sick yeah yeah cool to bounce off each other like it <laughs> yeah. seems to be a good friendly rivalry and oh yeah definitely like we'd obviously want to beat each other but whoever won we'd be absolutely stoked for so yeah now it was a perfect balance really and then yeah middle of the season we had that Val Nord race which was kind of an odd one right quite a unique track yeah really new track yeah awkward logistics with the pits being oh, miles yeah, was, away from uh, the track yeah like, it was a nightmare mid 30s all weeks pretty yeah. hard work to be at yeah it's brutal your worst result of the season still yeah. the top 30 27 yeah. which these days is an impressive result in itself but how well, how did that weekend go from your perspective? And how does it feel now to get 27th compared to like yeah. a year ago? Obviously, 27th in the past would have been a great result. But obviously, after coming off the back of two top 10s, I was like, shit, that's not where I want to be. Um, almost knew, though, from the first run I did, I was like, this track does not suit me at okay. all. It was so fast. So not straight, but pretty much point and shoot. And uh -huh. that's just, yeah. I don't sort of ride like that. Okay. I'm, it you needs to be some, a bit slower, technical, tighter. Yeah, some challenge in that yeah, side it was, of it. It was a really tough track. And like, I thought I was going 100 mile an hour, but like, you just have to be on the absolute limit. And it's like really narrow. It was like a goat track almost. Yeah. But you're going like, it feels like you're going like 40, 50 mile an hour. Well, you, I think you were, to yeah, be fair. Like, it's, it yeah, was, it was really, really challenging. I think, yeah, that's definitely not the sort of track that suits me. And yeah, as I said, from first run, I was like, it's going to be a tough weekend. And I, I did try to do all I could to change that. And I did more practice runs, just trying to get used to it. I normally do five runs. That's it. Yeah. I did like seven. I was like, right, I need to get into this. Just every time I ride, I'm just going to get a bit faster, a bit faster, a bit faster. But yeah, just didn't gel with the track, I guess, which happens. That's fair. Did Were you conscious of like trying to, stay safe do you know what i mean like it's a track yeah. where you, the consequences were huge right it was so yeah. fast yeah, yeah exactly i think yeah you go slightly offline at that speed and you're gonna have an absolute huge so. yeah well we saw what happened to amory right <laughs> yeah yeah it was just one of them tracks where i was just like i just can't push to the limit yeah to get right to the top of the result sheet so yeah that was where i was <laughs> yeah so frustrated with that or kind of happy that you can turn in a, a top 30 when you know you're not like yeah i was very frustrated because i was just like in my race where i knew i was like what am i doing i need to be going twice as fast down this straight uh -huh. <laughs> and i knew i was just riding on the brakes and it was just one of them i just didn't get in the zone and yeah the track didn't really suit me so 
yeah, I think just a few things combined and that's where you are. Yeah, that's fair. And like, again, it was super tight. Like a couple of seconds I'd been right up there, but obviously it's easier to say that now than when you're there riding down the bike. So. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Do you, do you find it easy na- easier now to kind of move on from a weekend that didn't go as well as you hoped? Yeah, definitely. I think that's something I try and do is not not get beat up or upset by having a bad result. It's yeah. one one race. Like, I'm going to be racing for a long time, so, <laughs> well, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I just say it's one weekend. We're racing again next weekend. Just change it for that, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I think not- you can get beaten up by it, but what's the point? <laughs> yeah, very true. Well, at the end of the day, it's racing bikes down yeah. through woods, which is supposed to be fun, right? It's yeah, the reason exactly. we've started it. Exactly, but yeah. It's easy to lose sight of that. Thing, Definitely. For sure. And then on to Snowshoe, which was hellish, it looked like. like Yeah, it was brutal. Like, from first run, I was like, this is insane. <laughs> then I just struggled all all weekend after that. And I think, when was it? Before qualifying or before race? Um first run you obviously only get like an hour practice on race day before yeah. you race so i think i qualified not very well went off track had to push back up through the tape so i didn't get disqualified i think i was like in the 40 still which uh-huh. i was surprised at because i was like down in the bushes trying to get my bike <laughs> out um and then yeah race morning first practice run halfway down the track crash snapped my brake lever well the whole brake system off the bar and I was just like oh shit no. so I couldn't ride to the bottom anyway it was Joe Breeden was stood on the side of the track he was like line spotting for the intense boys he was like right I'm going to get your bike I'm going to run it to the top yeah so he was running my bike I could barely keep up with him I was on foot I'd literally ripped the whole sleeve off my jersey <laughs> on this <laughs> crash so I come up and the boys were because again it's snowshoe like the top of the track it's where you normally pit and then yeah. the pits are quite far away. Uh-huh. So the boys are at the top of the track. I come up. I've lost a sleeve off my jersey. A brake <laughs> lever's hanging down. Breeding's running. And we're both sweating. They was just like, what have you done here? <laughs> <laughs> so I quickly, I think I stole, I think it was Jim's, uh, Jim and Rose jersey. So I had Jim on my back. Um, we quickly, they was all manic, put the new brake on. I think I got another practice run, but my head was just gone at that point. Yeah. And then... And your body, right? You just run halfway up the yeah, track. Just, right? Yeah, smashed about a bit. But yeah, then just didn't click in my race run. Yeah. Like, it was such a hard track. Like you go slightly offline in the rocks. I've never in anything like it. It was so greasy. But yeah, it was it was quite frustrating there because that sort of track really would suit me normally. Yeah, I was going to say, is that a place you'd hope to go well? <laughs> yeah, normally? like a bit more technical. Yeah. And from practice, I thought I was riding really well and... Yeah, just didn't click in race run, which that is the cruel sport we're in, really. Yeah. Like, it is that one run that counts. It doesn't matter if you're riding well or weak. It's, yeah, that's the one that matters. Yeah, yeah, you can have a great week and it can all come tumbling apart on race yeah, day exactly. very quickly, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then Monsonan, hell of a track. Yeah. Like, and like super long this year. Yeah, proper long, which, yeah, yeah I've only actually been there once in the past and I, I, that was in 2017 I think okay um, long time ago and I got a flat at the top so yeah didn't even get a result so it was um, cool to go back there really it looks a fun track to ride yeah really good fun in inverted commas maybe but like it looks like a no, really, it's good, really like good a proper track yeah it's a proper proper track and yeah I really enjoyed it they did the new changes like that fast piece down the my well, down the piece that was my hell 
just literally bombing down a fire, big like baby head rocks. And it's just like, oh, it's not me. So anyway, they diverted into the woods and it was really like technical, routine, rocky. It was brilliant, like quite tight corners. So I was like, yeah, I was stoked on the track. And yeah, yeah the bottom is such a long track. Your arms are absolutely cooked at the bottom. I was quite conscious of that. And um, yeah, when I was doing my quality in my race, I was always really trying to find like a really good flow. And race run, I almost got into that flow, but it was almost too smooth. And Okay. Um, but then I was just like conscious of the arms because it is brutal. But I got to the bottom and I was like, I should have pushed more. Okay. But it's so, it's so hard to know. Yeah, yeah, to, to be able to measure your effort down the track yeah. kind of thing. because it's such a long track. Like, I think if you went, like, ridiculous out the start gate, you'd be cooked at the bottom. Yeah. It's such a long way down. Um, so, yeah, that no, was, again, a really good result. I think I was 13th. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, also another one where I thought, ah, maybe I could have pushed a bit more. But, yeah, it's easier said said now than done so that's all good it's all learning right if, yeah definitely. if that's only the time the first time you've put in a full race run at Montserrat then yeah no no it's um yeah definitely it's just a learning curve and I think again this year just learn so much so yeah that's no, brilliant wicked world champs let's chat a little bit about that yeah a, a, a cool track a fun yeah. track yeah. again a track that would probably suit you maybe um, not in those conditions no, it was it was absolutely sick track, and when it was wet, it was slowed it down a bit. But in the dry, it was absolutely ridiculously fast. And again, I think I had a similar situation to the Lords. Like it was wet, it dried up for race. I didn't predict going a bit firmer on the bike. So yeah, another learning curve, curve really. Yeah, just didn't go stiff enough for finals, kind of. Thing. Yeah, and like, I felt like I rode pretty fast, got a bit loose. But yeah, time just wasn't there. Yeah, I guess it is world champs, so you do have to be on yeah. an absolute heater. Really. Everyone's throwing everything yeah. into the run, I guess. But yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think I just yeah learned a lot from that weekend that we do have to crack up the pressures when it gets stupid fast and yeah. when it is going from wet to dry and yeah, just a good learning curve, I guess. Yeah. And it, it must have been a fun event to be part of. It was fun to be there as a spectator, like yeah the. Like the in the atmosphere, oh, it was absolutely insane. It was wild, and it felt like that carried on all down the track, pretty much. Oh, it was absolutely mental. <laughs> yeah, it was. I remember someone like local to here saying about they came to watch. They literally couldn't get in the track. They said like it was like three people deep the whole way down the track. It's mental. <laughs> so it was awesome for the sport, and yeah, it was pretty sick to see the three Frenchies on the on the podium. Yeah, and it was absolutely insane we had the house literally it was on the finish line ah uh, yeah 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 yeah. so you could cl climb out onto the roof kind yeah, of yeah there was people on our roof we didn't even know where they were they just walked <laughs> in the house went up to the roof and onto the roof <laughs> yeah it was mad and then we'd, we just had people in the house and it was just like don't know who they are but they are on a great time there we go it's cool <laughs> to be part of that right that was, it no, was, it was a historical cool, yeah. event for sure even if the result didn't go your way though. no exactly it was a cool event definitely yeah. no, it was mad right and then the last race of the year Valder. so i think a lot of riders were pretty tired by the time we got there yeah it's a long season first real full season i guess since yeah. kind of all the covid stuff we know yeah. the race is cancelled how did you feel turning up to track that you obviously liked but it was battered from the start <sighs> yeah absolutely battered 
like I've never written anything like it, but I was I enjoyed that track the most out of every track all year. I think um, really, yeah. Are you, are you in a fairly small club for that? Because a lot of people seem to be finding it hard going. Yeah, I think if you didn't find the rhythm there, you was in big trouble. Yeah, but I think if you found like good rhythm, which was not not easy to find, you in a much better headspace. Um, and yeah managed to find the rhythm and yeah i absolutely loved it all weekend riding with andy trying different lines and whatever and he was absolutely flying so it was it was sick we was both riding well and yeah pushing each other on so that's no, brilliant yeah seventh place to finish off the season yeah yeah seventh to finish the season it was yeah i was absolutely chuffed a bit for that so i bet mate best yeah, season to date by a good chunk right yeah 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 by far i think it was just the the little things like the Fort William qualifying the two top tens it was just like that's what sort of made me think oh I can do it <laughs> yeah do you think it's been mindset mostly then that like kind of switch from being a, a solid consistent top 30 yeah top 20 maybe could dip into the top 10 to like yeah consistently within the top 10 qualifying second like is that all has that all come from your head or do you think there's some other stuff you've worked out I think there's no one thing that's that's been the answer I guess it's just all the little things added up and yeah it's so hard like a lot of people say like what have you changed this year what have you done different it's like nothing like it's just all clicked I guess and I think having the team around you definitely is a big thing Mm. like we've all had such a good time racing this year like we've all got along so well and we've all gone to races like I really enjoyed it and I think that's been a big, big thing. And the atmosphere in the pits has been awesome. So, yeah, that's definitely one. Obviously, the bike, we've got it over the last three, four years. I've got it to pretty much perfect how I like it. Yeah. Tires, obviously, coming in. Like, we had such a good selection and they're all proper good. So, that's that. And then, yeah, riding with Andy on track. We had Millway at all the races, line spotting. Just a lot of things. Yeah. added up I think and yeah as well the mindset of having a few good results it just yeah all all adds up yeah I'm guessing it could be easy to like when things aren't going your way you look at what's wrong and you look to exactly, change things yeah. it sounds like you haven't really changed things you've just kind of stuck at it yeah what gave you the confidence to know that you didn't necessarily need to change anything does that make sense yeah I think yeah for me confident comes with just the little victories like I don't know even a time training result if you're up there in time training you think right why can't I do this for qualifying then once you do it well for qualifying then you do it well for race and yeah it's just the little the little wins I guess and yeah and just sticking to your schedule and like say if I set at the start of the race weekend right five practice runs tomorrow you just know exactly what you're doing each run yeah yeah, just getting a familiar setup with the whole weekend and yeah, I think it all all adds up really. Yeah, just feeling confident, I guess, right? You know, right, this is what I do. I'm at yeah, a race, exactly, this yeah. is how I operate. Like, yeah. There's no there's no puzzling, there's not too no. many questions, you're just getting on with it. Yeah, I think now I've had the experience and I've done it for a few years, so it should all really run like clockworks now. I know where everything is and what everything's doing, so. Yeah. No, it's all worked well. But as a result of a good season, I guess your own like pressure on yourself goes up, right? 
yeah. where a top 10 would have been awesome mm. coming into 2022. I'm guessing coming into 2023. Yeah. That's like, I'm, only, uh, you know, that's the the lowest thing you want. You're probably like, right, I'm searching for podiums yeah. and stuff. Like, how do you manage that? And also expectation from team sponsors, mm. media, people coming in asking you questions yeah, like this. Exactly, like, yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that personally? Um, yeah, it's a tough question, really. Um, obviously, going into next year, off the back of this year, like, again, I've got, well, I do have expectations of myself, but I try not to put any pressure on myself and just know if I tick all the boxes, it will it will all go right. And same with the team. They've never, ever put any pressure on me, which is awesome. Like, yeah, I would hate to have that side of it and people saying, oh, you're not doing well enough and whatever, but I've never had any of that. So it's been been really good um so yeah i guess try not to put too much pressure on yourself but i think with the results from this year and it's just having the belief and then the faith in yourself i guess to say right you can do it so crack on and do it <laughs> yeah and it's a long nice. off season right it's hard to i guess yeah, hard it is to a long kind time. of pace yourself and like have you put a lot of structure into your off season do you kind of know what you're doing between now and the first race like pretty thoroughly or do you let things kind of evolve over time? Yeah, obviously it is a long time till we get going again, but at the same time it will come around super fast. And there's always going to be little filler events that come in and British nationals and other little Portuguese rounds and yeah. stuff that come in. So yeah, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think it will come around a lot quicker than everyone everyone thinks really <laughs> yeah be on top of us pretty quickly yeah exactly and we've got world champs in fort william yeah as a british rider that qualified second at fort william this yeah. year like how do you feel about that it must be quite an exciting prospect and it's yeah, the first ever exciting. combined world champs yeah, as well yeah. right so i i know i just said the pressures i don't really feel like that much <laughs> pressure but the pressure's on <laughs> yeah for that one for sure, um, like. but now nah, i think mr track i love so yeah, just go ham and see what happens, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I know for world champs, you have got to be riding that absolute perfect edge. So now I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I think it should be sick. Do you think we've got um, a couple of fast young boys coming up into elite men's this year with Jackson oh, for sure, and Jordan? Yeah. Do you think that's a like a direct threat to those podium spots? Like <sighs> From the times they was posting this year, I think definitely, yeah, but... Yeah, I guess we'll see. Like, I know it's a lot different from being a junior. You do two practice runs in the morning. You've got half an hour and your race runs there. Yeah. I think when you do practice, you've got three hours sat there thinking about everything. You've got a bit more, not pressure, but I guess as you get older, you think, right, like I've got to perform here. Yeah. I don't know. Might affect them, might not, but... The track's changing in those three track, hours as well, track right? track does change a yeah. little bit, but there's no doubt about it. They're absolute rippers. So, yeah, they're definitely going to be up there. Yeah. It's a it's a super tight, like, group now, right? There's so yeah. many riders. It feels like more every year that can be on the podium. Yeah, definitely. I think as the years go on, it gets more professional, the sport. And, like, I think maybe in the past, it was a bit of a, I have a few beers and whatever the night before <laughs> the race, but... You just can't do that now. Yeah. Everyone is literally at the top of their game. Everyone is pretty much athletes, really. Um, so, yeah, nice, no, sick. An exciting season ahead. Yeah, definitely. We should mention Hardline. You were third there in 2018, I think. Um, and you were there this year. 
Yeah. How was it for starters? Because I, I mean, I don't know how they do it every year, but they seem to make Hardline more gnarly every year. Yeah, I think that's the goal every year for Hardline. That's what G says. It's like if people do the year, do it the year before, we need to make it harder. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like. Obviously, they put them two massive new stupid doubles in the middle this year, which were, I walked it and I was like, nah, not doing them. Really? I was like, because ah. I'd not seen anyone do it. I was like, you stand on the takeoff and you look at the land and it is miles apart. You think, how on earth am I going to do that? <laughs> and yeah, just, it is a sick event, really cool weekend. Um, yeah, just ticking features off feature by feature really and then by like the third day and you've done everything and it's you're qualifying and yeah and before you know it you're racing and yeah it's absolutely wild event but i love it yeah how did you tick off those 90 footers this year did you follow someone is there someone you trust to like take you through features like that do you do it on your own how do you approach um, it i can't remember how i did it this year i normally i'm normally the guy who watches everyone a few times through it yeah. try and be a bit more safe about the old job even though is 90 foot jump safe i don't know <laughs> yeah, who knows <laughs> no so yeah i try and um watch a few people through it and see what's right what's wrong um yeah i'm definitely not the man at the top hitting it first round that's definitely not me <laughs> yeah fair <laughs> so yeah watch a few people through it and then yeah try and i think i maybe follow g through it actually okay which fair play like coming off the back of his injuries and he goes straight into hardline racing and you would never even know they had these injuries he was hitting everything like first or second man he is an absolute madman i do not understand how that guy he's is different put together yeah. yeah he's built different yeah. for sure so yeah i think i followed g in actually which was yeah pretty sick like obviously off the back of almost a year not riding or whatever yeah so then following him to 90 foot doubles it was yeah it's pretty cool that's mental what yeah. was going through your head the first time like i just like almost not disbelief i was like how is this gonna work <laughs> as soon as you're in the air well you're in the air for a bloody long time as well and i was just like you could see the land and you're just like right okay but yeah absolutely mad they did work they worked perfect yeah um so yeah just this the actual plucking up the courage i guess hit him in the first place that is the that's the mental challenge but yeah, it doesn't feel right. You just hit a step on, step off, and you're sprinting down the land, and you're already going probably 40 mile an hour. Then you just heave for this 90-foot double, and you're just like, <laughs> Whoa. it is absolutely insane. It feel good? Yeah, it's insane, yeah. Yeah, landing them too, it's, yeah, no feeling like it really. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Crazy. But uh, yeah, if they take that up another level for next year, then who knows where it's going. It's uh, yeah. a wild event. The thing is, like, it's all rideable so there is scope to push it more and like i guess like you say every year it does get more gnarly so yeah. where's it gonna go in i don't know a few years time it's gonna be phew, silly <laughs> who knows it is cool though see yeah. the progression yeah for sure set that and rampage definitely push yeah. things along right yeah. it's, it's oh, cool it's, to see yeah it's insane yeah well we're getting close to the end of our time we'll wrap up with our final four questions okay perfect the first one of those is if our listeners had 150 pounds to spend <laughs> to improve their performance on a bike what would you recommend they go and spend it on not a lot of money hmm that's a tough one obviously you could get bits for your bike and some new tyres uh, coaching 
What do you think they get the most like value for? Value for money. Um, I don't know. I guess it would depend on person. If just coming into mountain biking, I'd say a coaching session. Yeah. You could probably get one of them for £150. For sure. Um, or if it's someone that's racing a bit. Um, maybe some new, just a new set of tyres. That normally helps. You'd normally okay. go to a bike park, look at people's tyres. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Absolutely in bits. I think that's a big help and maybe just a few little i don't know it's obviously not 150 pounds worth but just some little tips like you'll normally see people get their bikes out of the van ride them yeah no pressure checks no setup i think literally a good set of tires with proper pressures yeah would be a bit of a game changer and checking your shock pressures before you go yeah. and ride because yeah. they will lose a bit of pressure yeah and knowing where you're at's not yeah. a bad start is it no definitely so yeah Depending on, yeah, I think there's probably well, two answers there, but <laughs> that's all good. What's your like if you were going to recommend a pair of tires from that new continental range for like the most all round yeah. kind of thing? What would you what would you go for? I don't know the range, so um, it'd be crypto front, I'd say front on the front and the front on the rear. That's normally okay, yeah, that's the setup I've used pretty much all year, yeah, unless it's been wet where I've used an Argo tail. Okay. Which is like the mud tire. Okay. Mid. Then they've got a yeah. super mud tire. But um And have they got casing options? Yeah. Three so, different casing options. Yeah. Which what would you go for for like your general like enduro kind of riding? Um it depends how much you I'd go super soft, okay. which is like the softest ones which we use on the downhill bike. Yeah. Obviously they're harder to pedal uphill, but I think you're pedaling uphill anyway, just I'd rather have a more reward in Daniel. Yeah. yeah. So I go super softs. Yeah. All yeah. right. Good stuff. Second one. If you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16. Yeah. What advice would you give him? Um, Just keep cracking on really. Have fun. Don't take it too seriously. I think, yeah, something I learned this year is to have fun because that is a massive, massive help. Um, so yeah, probably don't put too much pressure on the situation if it's going to happen, it's going to happen and just have fun with it. Yeah. Do you think there's been periods then where you've taken it too seriously? Like, and that's been detrimental? Um, yeah, maybe certain areas, but yeah, I think it's definitely important just to enjoy it. Cause yeah. if you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? We're riding bikes for fun at the end of the day. And obviously it is a job like now, but yeah, if you've got to be having fun whilst doing it. So. Yeah. Life's got to be good, right? Yeah. So that's a, a big thing I think yeah have fun right. enjoy it sounds good third one if you could have a coaching session from anyone past or present yeah who would it be and what would you want to learn from them why is it a tough one um oh there's a lot of riders I want a coaching session from um, you can have a few if you want Samuel how to ride flat corners yeah I know he's flat pedals but yeah flat corner expert yeah, so definitely. definitely one from him. There may be someone, probably Greg Minar. Okay, what would you want to talk Just to Greg about? How to keep speed everywhere? Because you notice him riding, and he, he's just fast everywhere. There's, he's never looks like ridiculous, but he's just fast the whole way down. His average speed is just obviously much higher than others. So. Yeah, yeah, carrying speed with him, I think, would uh -huh. be a pretty good one. 
Nice. Any more? Are there any more that stick in your head? Is that the main ones? Yeah, I'd say that's the main two right. top of my head. Cool. Last one then. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? What do I do every day? Um, well, I don't know. What do I do every day? It depends on the day, really, but obviously some form of training. Okay. I normally, yeah, like to get that ticked off and... What else do I do? No little secrets, really. No little uh, <laughs> hidden gems, really. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, just tick the boxes, really. And that's sort of, uh, yeah, it's what I do. Fair enough. <laughs> There's no such thing as a rest day where you just sit on the couch and eat ice cream then. There's always something happening or? Yeah, most of the time. I think that's something that we do in Millway is the training we do is never, we're never CrossFit. Yeah, okay. Like, work are absolute yeah. bollocks off. And yeah, yeah, you're not so burnt out that you can't no, it's all, do it's like, the next day. We're, I think that's something he's really good at scheduling is we're always doing something. Yeah. But it's always to just under or above yeah, the threshold. Okay. We're never going to absolute failure. Well, yeah. We do sometimes, but when it's appropriate. Yeah. So I think there's always, we're always doing something. Okay. And like on the program, you think, oh shit, I've got something every day for the next couple of months. But, in reality, it is manageable. Yeah. Um, you're not getting to that point yeah, where you're your not body's like clinging. No, you're not killing yourself, which, yeah. yeah, shout out to him. He, he programs it really well. So Nice. Yeah, Sounds there's always good. little things to do. And even on a rest day, it'd be all mobility stuff and yeah, still like turning the cogs, I guess, but yeah. just a bit slower. Good stuff. <laughs> all right, man. Well, it's been super interesting chatting, finding yeah, out thanks more for about me. you. It's been, uh, it's been awesome to watch from the sidelines this season and see the like the progress and the boxes getting ticked and the results flowing excited to see more of it next year if people want to follow you and keep up to date where's the best place for them to look um probably instagram that's where i post most of the stuff so okay. yeah yeah You're at charlie underscore yeah at charlie underscore hat one i think it is cool. i think charlie Hatton was taken so disgraceful if he's out there just uh give me a shout <laughs> <laughs> nice one i'll uh put a link in the show notes oh, thank can you very find much yeah, yeah cheers for having me no it's been a pleasure mate nice yeah. one cheers cheers thank you all right that's it for this episode with charlie i really hope you've enjoyed it a massive thanks to seven mesh if you're in the market for some amazing quality riding kit then whether you're wanting to try seven mesh for the first time or are already hooked they're offering downtime listeners a 20 percent discount using the code downtime seven mesh 20 that's downtime followed by the number seven then mesh m-e-s-h and the number 20 all in capitals with no spaces so that's downtime seven mesh 20 over at sevenmesh.com. head over now and check them out also, a massive thanks to We Are One Composites for supporting the episode. We Are One are offering an incredible 15% off everything on their website until midnight on the 31st of December. That means you can get a discount on their new Convergence wheels, their recently reduced and still very awesome Revolution wheels, and also their bike, The Arrival. All you need to do is to use the code DOWNTIME December 15 at the checkout over at weareonecomposites.com. That's DOWNTIME with a capital D, December also with a capital D, all one word, followed directly by the number 15 over at weareonecomposites.com. All right, here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some brand new merch. And forward slash EP if you want to get your hands on copies of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. 
As always, spread the word, tell your rider mates and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today, but we're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>